0: Welcome to the Just Go Grind podcast. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, the director of marketing at Vitalize Venture Capital and founder of Just Go Grind, a community and podcast for ambitious founders. On today's episode, we have Dave Fink, the CEO and co-founder of Posty, a data and technology platform with the mission of making direct mail behave as dynamically as the best digital quant marketing channels Dave has a lot of experience in digital marketing. He's also a partner and investor at Science for a number of years as well in Santa Monica, and we dive into a wide variety of topics in this episode. Let's get to it. Dave, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, this is going to be fun. I'm excited to talk about all things Posty, your journey as well. Set the stage. What is Posty? What are you doing with this company? Sure. So you know, we think about Postie as
1: really the first and, and only real um, kind of ad serving technology solution specifically dedicated to the direct mail channel. So, so not email, but actual uh, management of your marketing through the U.S. Postal Service physical mail. Um, and the idea was, you know, re- really stem from the, this, you know, the the love of omnichannel marketing. Yep. the love of digital marketing and kind of the the expectation that that you know technology and data and efficiency and insights are all packaged together in in these emergent um, channels that that we've all got our hands on over the last you know decade and a half, two decades, and um, and the power that that you get when when you have technology for efficiency and targeting and measurement and performance. Um on top of really big scalable channels. and direct mail is is an, an enormous channel that's that the we always kind of tease that it's it's twenty percent bigger than facebook and and Google because anyone <laughs> with a physical address is is reachable through their mailbox. It's just you know historically been a very manual channel to to execute and and that was frustrating for us. And so you know we thought, you know maybe it's possible to. To leverage, you know, all the learnings that we've had in in yeah you know, these emerging, you know, um, you know, digital channels like programmatic display and search yeah. and social and email, and and innovate um, the way that that brands and, and advertisers can engage with the direct mail
0: channel. We have to connect this story and go back a bit, though. So with this company, everyone, I'm always curious on how people start companies in the first place because there's like anyone who's like smart, driven, like wants to do something, and they have. Infinite number of options in theory, right? Of things to work on. So I'm always curious how, how people start. And you were at Science Incubator in Los Angeles uh, for a number of years, and then the link from that to starting Posty. Just take me through that progression of like, right, being this incubator, and then eventually starting Posty. How that happen? Sure. It, quite frankly, it's super organic. Uh, it was just an authentic path. So
1: it's Science. We built this platform whereby we provided seed capital to consumer internet entrepreneurs working on very early stage concepts. And we also built lots of technology and workflow platforms to, to help you know support these early stage companies and, and oftentimes, typically first time entrepreneurs, find initial traction, success, trajectory, et cetera. Each of us, um, each of the partners at, at Science, had brought, you know, an, a certain area of expertise and, and my area of expertise was, was marketing. So I was, you know, kind of the the partner that got to engage with each of our brands as they thought about go to market and customer acquisition and retention and monetization, all those, those fun kind of data-driven, uh, you know, attributes that that all companies need in order to be successful. And you know, to me, you know, science was a blast one of the probably most advantageous, um, you know, elements of that experience was the ability to engage with so many different companies and see pattern recognition. Yeah, and and so everything that we really focused on was you know moving fast and engaging directly with consumers and building technology and innovating and disrupting categories, adding value, etc. Really, with you know everything we did, you know, certainly was in the tech world, whether it was direct to consumer brand building or it was marketing technology solutions or two-sided marketplaces. And one common thread, if you could rewind back to when we started 2011, that was you know the era when YouTube was just becoming YouTube and Facebook was really yeah. just becoming Facebook and ad technology was just being layered on to, to social media and big data and marketing was becoming big data. And we all got to kind of ride that wave that, that was, you know, Facebook and, and eventually Instagram and YouTube, et cetera. And, and for a while, it looked like, you know, the, the advantages of those channels, like we're never going to disappear. They were just going to grow forever. And, and it was going to be easier than ever to, to acquire customers and grow businesses really fast and big. And lo and behold, eventually, by the time, you know, I would say 2016 rolled around, you know, we we were reminded that all channels have a ceiling and yep. and in marketplaces like like Facebook or, or Google where you've advertisers bidding for impressions you know, as demand flows into those channels it's yeah you know, it, you know, it's, it's it's basic economics right and, <laughs> and and so ad rates go up and as ad rates go up it becomes harder to, to manage those channels profitably and 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 rely on them for for the type of growth and the efficiency that, that you need. So Posty, you know, did not stem from this idea where one day I woke up and and said, like, hey, we need to go out and and, solve some problems in direct mail. Posty really was bred out of this, this pain that all of our portfolio companies were feeling, again, really having Facebook as their singular fail point. And waking up every day with a knot in our stomach, wondering is Facebook's algorithm going to behave today, or is it not going to behave today? You know, are are we going to have really great trajectory, and all of a sudden, holiday ad rates are going to go through the roof, and we're not going to be able to hit our 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 Q4 you know numbers, which are obviously so incredible for you know, any any consumer brand. Yeah. And and so we spent a lot of time looking for other emerging digital channels, and there just wasn't anything. Snap at that point was an emerging social platform. It didn't have an ads platform or a robust one at that point. There wasn't a TikTok. There just wasn't anything else scalable. And so we started spending more time with offline media. And in offline media, mail had a lot of components that were really interesting. And the scale, the ability to target, the visualization, direct measurement, the ability to test and optimize, to us looked a lot like the way we engage with digital channels when we set out to actually start, you know, testing direct mail, we learned really quickly that n- executionally, nothing had changed in 30 years. <laughs> yeah. And it was just a really painful channel to engage with. And so that, you know, led to this idea of like, Hey, I wonder if it's possible to build the trade desk of direct mail or the, the DV360 of direct mail or the, the double click of direct mail. It, it really was a, a super organic uh, story.
0: Yeah. One of those things I want to go back to, so I felt that pain in like 2015, 16, Facebook ads, and like I was an e-commerce company and so running the ads for them. So I felt that pain directly, like, oh, these prices from when I started in 2015 and 2016, 2017, seeing them go up and creep up and having that exact feeling of like, well, we do half our business or whatever it was in Q4, are these ads going to perform or not? Like that's a huge issue. And then it's only gotten obviously worse as more people climb on there now. That's crazy. Yeah, to hear, to hear it, that. it's, it's legit, and um, I,
1: I know that because the, the minute we had the idea for this this business, I, you know, um, as you know, pretty networked through the the consumer brand world and started having lots of informative conversations with CMOs and VP of acquisition and CRM, and everyone was crying the blues on Facebook, right? It, I mean, I was hearing. Over and over again, dear God, get me off of Facebook. <laughs> you build this. Like, here's test budget. Please, like, help us crack another channel. Yep, you know, it it just it just wasn't working. And and look, fast forward to today, right? You know, we have you know dozens and dozens of brands that you know had their had a freakout moment last year or earlier this year when iOS 14 rolled out, and mm. all of a sudden, yep, you know, ad rates went up again, inventory went down. You know, Google's been talking for years about deprecating the cookie. It got pushed out another year, but that's likely coming. Th- those are real problems. Like the, it's not just you know like oh that's okay. You know, uh, we'll 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 figure it out later. It, it's yeah. we are you know some brands are spending upwards of fifty million dollars a year in, in in Facebook, and now all of a sudden they can either spend that fifty million dollars and get annihilated from a you know from a poor return on ad spend or they can cut that budget in half or down to a third, it, it, it you need to find an omni-channel approach. You need to have diversification in your, your media stack. You need to figure out you know the, the right channel mix for you so that you don't get caught into in a position like many brands did where a big change to Facebook algorithm or to the measurability cross-device um, you know, that Apple interfered with and, 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 and all of a sudden not be able to grow anymore as a business.
0: When you started this, so back in 2017, so you obviously had this insight around this, this is why it kind of happened organically in terms of solving that problem. What did you do in terms of which customers you want to work with? What kind of results you were seeing early on, how that informed what you were going to build? Cause even, you know, having this idea is like, okay, well, it's a massive market. It's like, we're like, just take me to the early days. of have been thinking about that and getting those customers and what you were seeing at that point in time. Sure. Go, go-to-market was pretty easy for us. You know, we
1: we had been in the, the direct-to-consumer brand ecosystem uh, for you know, almost two decades at that point. Gosh. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hate dating myself, but it, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, it, I didn't say so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I did that myself. Uh, <laughs> so the, yeah, I mean, we had relationships with many 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 uh, entrepreneurs and and marketers at at yeah you know, you know, across all verticals in in direct to consumer commerce and so that's where we started that was just the natural place for us to start Yeah, you know, we had the network we understood the pain points and the how those businesses thought and behaved and what their needs likely likely were we understood how their p ls worked and so we knew we could uh, we could provide value qu- quite frankly uh, similarly, you know, those those you know, businesses that emerged during the era of, of social and and you know, fast paced you know, digital media tend to be run by really savvy marketers, right? Or or at least the marketing teams are, are run by very savvy marketers. They understand data, they understand technology, they understand predictive analytics, they understand measurement they understand segmentation they understand creative optimization and testing and those were all components that we knew you know were valuable in any channel and so the brand set that we wanted to work with as we were you know testing the initial platform build and and learning and figure out what features made sense to, to focus on, you know, we, we really wanted to engage those type of advertisers, those type of deep thinkers, those type of innovators. And so for us, you know, the first probably two years were, were definitely spent mostly engaging not necessarily the small digital natives, but yep, you know, all the way up to some of the biggest digital natives, disruptive brands, you know, challenger brands, um, what have you. So, so for, for us, it was, it, it really wasn't, um, uh much of a challenging go-to-market we had product market fit we had you know a, a virtual sea of excited willing uh, participants that, that were were looking at engaging and testing and, and just thought feeling the same pain that we were so that that's how we got started
0: with that too what were you seeing in terms of the mix then you mentioned obviously an omni-channel approach and they were spending a lot on let's say Facebook and everything else but were you saying were you seeing these companies like let's spend half of posty let's spend a quarter of our budget for posty what, how are we progressing on that what should it be like I'm curious on how you, they thought about that what you've seen because uh, it's obviously an really interesting product I'm curious what you saw even back then sure look in the early days it was all
1: test budgets right uh, you know as we as we matured you know we ended up kind of building out a, a view on our our well, you know ICP our ideal you know, you know client profile or customer profile that was kind of an XY you know access um, or grid that 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 so many businesses use to kind of visualize their customer bases. Um, and in our world, you know one access was upstart brand on one end, biggest enterprise brands in the world on the other end. and we started filling in across that entire spectrum. And then the other access was direct mail is a huge component of their marketing mix already. in some cases spending hundreds of millions of dollars a year. All the way down to doesn't remember what a postcard or an envelope looks like, has never touched <laughs> direct mail. And and we have clients that fit all four of those those boxes, right? Big enterprises that have, that are rely on direct mail that don't do any direct mail, emerging brands that that found direct mail really early, emerging brands that had have no idea how to execute direct mail. Depending on where they sit, will determine, you know. How how the engagement starts and and where it goes right and so if you take either an enterprise brand or a digital native brand that that doesn't have any experience with direct mail we wouldn't you know as much as you know we want to to be impactful in their businesses quickly it just wouldn't make sense to go and convince them to allocate fifty percent of their marketing budget to this new to them channel it would right. make sense to carve out uh, a reasonable budget that gives them big enough um monthly budgets to have statistically significant results from their experiments and gives them enough you know, runway to be able to to go through a, a a number of series of optimizations and so those budgets range all over the place they range from a few hundred thousand dollars up to millions of dollars it just it just really depends on where they sit in the in that um you know x y axis
0: Diving deeper into the that point of like the product then itself. So obviously they are going to have varying amounts of budget allocated towards this particular channel. It's kind of a new channel because it's a new way of doing things. What does the product look like from, from their perspective? So from the customer's perspective, like what are they able to see with Posty? Like, tell us more of that because I think that'd be an interesting part of it as well. People were like, even like, wait, what? I can do direct mail now through this? Like explain, like just dive deeper on the product. I'm curious.
1: It's a great question. It ties back to your previous question on you know how we got to market so, if you think about the original go-to-market, you know, several years ago, knowing that we were going to have very savvy, hands-on, quantitative marketers in the platform from day one, there's a lot of pressure to build an <laughs> interface that that is usable, but and and yeah, you know, simple to understand, intuitive, but also very robust in capabilities. Because you know, some you take someone who's been buying on Facebook or Google for years and you drop them into a platform that's too simple or clunky they're probably going to get frustrated really fast the, the so the product that we brought to market looks like any digital ad server the difference is that you know when you hit you know send approve etc all of a sudden the production work begins and logistic works begins. You don't have to think about that as an advertiser. You're thinking in terms of connecting your CDP or your CRM or your back-end database with your Postie account. You're thinking about using cluster analysis and machine learning to understand insights into your customer base. You're, you're kicking off lookalike model builds using different data sets attached to different segments within your CRM file. You're setting up rule-based campaigns tied to behavioral data you're, you're uploading and approving creative in the platform and assigning AB and multivariate creative tests to your different audiences. And, you know, it, and, and the, the, feedback that we got from, from the very start was, was first of all, it was, were things like, wait, this is direct mail. Like it was like, <laughs> like they were blown away. Like they can't, like, couldn't imagine that there was all this software and technology that felt just like buying display ads or newsfeed ads. And and that the media that came off the back w- was actually you know really nicely rendered direct mail, so that, I mean that everything that we do with the product is designed to driving performance, but it's also to be intuitive to individuals who are used to working in very robust and scaled digital media platforms.
0: So you obviously needed all those capabilities for that exact reason. You're targeting savvy marketers, but inherently, it's mail going out. It's different on the back end in terms of that. Take us through that side of things, what they do, how these customers use it in terms of that. Because obviously, if you've done this for a while, like you can see instant results. Someone clicked on this, so they went through, whatever. Mail has to get sent out; it's physical, like it's different. Take me through that that side of things, then.
1: Sure. Well, well, first of all, you have, the the difference between direct mail and digital channels are that every time you create a campaign there's complex manufacturing and logistics that's going into it, right? When you run a digital campaign, it's pixels and there's a distribution network and there's complexities associated with building out the supply side of the network, but it's still all, it's all pixels. You know, it's ones and zeros, it's, it's, it's digital. <laughs> with direct mail, you, 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 you know, from a user, all you're thinking about is building audiences, training models, uploading creatives, approving those, you know, the, you know and QAing those, those creatives. And as soon as you hit you know, send, Postie's is built out of what we call the Posty print cloud. And it's a network of dozens and dozens of printers that have different geographic um, uh, um, diversity, which helps with speed and efficiency to the, the mail stream and to home. Uh, each you know, printer has different equipment different equipment is um, more efficient or less efficient at executing different volume campaigns, different paper types, different size campaigns. Um, you know so all of those kind of variables go into um, the, the backend software that makes real-time decisions based on the attributes of the specific campaign on where you know which nodes of, of the print cloud are going to actually execute and distribute. That, that specific piece of mail but you can imagine you're running a two million reach campaign with three or four different ad formats number of different creatives different audiences that are hitting different regions of the country the, the complexity with how to actually execute that how to produce that how to then um, use you know literally you know logistics so you know sh- shipping containers and trucks to move mail to different parts of the country, and then how to liaise with the U.S. Postal Service seamlessly so that you're maximizing efficiency on cost and efficiency on speed to get that campaign distributed to literally 2 million different households. And all that's done in a matter of a few days. You know, historically, was a, lo- a long lead time. It was, you know, I, you know, the typical, like, I think agency took about 60 days to execute a direct mail campaign. With technology, you can now turn a direct mail campaign same day. And you can be, yep, you know, produced and on your way to to home within a couple of days. Yep, you know, it's yep you know, three days versus sixty days. Yeah,
0: you know, technology is a pretty amazing thing. <sighs> that is incredible. Well, I mean, to that point, you hear that and you're like, logistical nightmare. Where do you start with that? Just take me through executing that on your side of actually pulling this off. Yeah. Well, well, look, setting it up, um, had, et cetera. Like, there's
1: there's kind of, I think three three types of three core components that that need to work harmoniously to to pull us off one is you need the internal knowledge and so we have an incredible team that uh, has deep print operations and logistics experience uh that team you know is kind of the 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 vision behind how we built innovation how we maintain um, the highest level of QA, of quality assurance, how we constantly optimize towards speed and efficiency. Um, an example being our head of ops comes into a weekly meeting where we review the data in every single campaign and in aggregate, and we're recording on a Thursday. Um, so I, two days ago, uh, he came in and was was all excited because um, this month we saw a one-tenth of a day increase in efficiency decrease in time it takes to get um, a campaign from the time a client approves it to in the mail stream he, you know if you think about that right we're celebrating in aggregate from tens of millions of pieces of mail thousands of campaigns being deployed you know every given month and and the razor focus that team has and optimizing to where they're celebrating a tenth of a day improvement now, part of why it's only a tenth of a day is because we've been very optimized for a long time. It's hard to <laughs> yeah, shave off. You know,
0: it's five years in, five plus, almost six years in. Exactly.
1: So that, <laughs> that's piece one. Piece two is you have to use software and technology. And so the print cloud is run off of an, a, you know a, a brain, right? The same investment in 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 data and user interface and um, and you know software that that the front end, all the marketing software is built on the same teams are working on the backend print cloud optimization integration with all, all the different nodes the the printers in the print cloud, the logistics providers in the U S postal service. So you have, you have technology. And then the third piece is we're doing things differently than has ever been done before. And so the print industry has been around for a very long time. the Logistics industry has been around for a very long time. The U S postal service has been around for a very long time. And so we need, um, Really deep, meaningful partnerships. We need to be very transparent in our vision and what we're looking to accomplish, and we need to build those relationships so that you have individuals on the other side of those nodes that are open to instead of t- dictating to us how we have to behave in order to work with their systems, they recognize that we're doing things to improve the workflow and are willing to to build and integrate the way that you know that that we need them to in order to drive improvement. Back to the advertiser, which is all that matters. So you have those three things, right? Team with with deep industry expertise and deep skills. You have deep investment in software and technology. You get deep investment in partnerships with 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 each of our our print cloud um, uh, partners.
0: With this as well, Dave. So you mentioned early on. You obviously had deep relationships already built up in the industry from knowing all these companies, working at science, working at your own companies, et cetera. What has fueled the growth since then though? So 2017 you launch, then now we're, we're recording at the end of 2022, basically, uh, in September here. What's fueled the growth at this point, uh, in terms of Posty?
1: Yeah. First and foremost, it's a, a quality product that delivers on, on its pitch that, yeah, we deliver results, everything's measurable. You know, time and time again, advertisers are finding performance in the channel, leveraging Posty, and um, and they're, they're enjoying the simplicity of the technology. They're enjoying the depth of knowledge of the services team that engages with them as clients, and at the end of the day, they're getting results. So when you get results, we're now, you know, uh, not quite a six-year-old company, but we've been around long enough that we've had the cycles of marketers that worked with us at one company that end up taking us with to their next job and and sometimes i think we're on even third generation you know <laughs> um individuals at this point yeah and and that's just that's word of mouth and that's delivering a great product and service you know we're getting better at coming out of our shell a little bit more and making an invest investment in telling our story hence yep, you know, having this conversation with you um, but also building our own you know demand gen Funnel, which is something that we just didn't do for a long time. We, we very much focused on, on putting all of our efforts into building the greatest product that really solved the pain point that we were out to solve. Learning how to service accounts at a very high level, driving performance, building our data moats and data pipes. And then um, and then we relied on, on, a, on a very consultative sales team. You'd, as time goes on, we've gotten better at telling our story, helping advertisers discover us, so that by the time yeah you know, they have a pain point, they actually know there's a solution out there and are excited about learning more. Yeah, it's it's yeah we gotta drink our yeah you know, drink our own Kool Aid, eat our own dog food, I guess <laughs> as they say, right? Um, and and we believe in marketers. We're marketers by trade, and we're we're certainly at a scale in time where where yeah we should be supporting our sales team and we should be feeding more amazing brands into um into the platform so that they can get great benefits and eliminate some of the the challenges that they as marketers feel every day
0: i'm curious with that to that point like you mentioned okay well now at the time we're telling our story more we're doing that now but like what like what was it about this being the time or even more recently being the time like what was it that switched in terms of that because like obviously you focused intently on the product for a very long time still do but um you had that piece of it like validating that and you have customers on uh, etc but like you're almost six years in now and you know it could have been two years ago you could have started telling your story three years like what what was it about the timing and like why how you think about that I'm always asking for other founders who like you know are going through building their companies and listen to the show and like why did, why do they do what they do so I'm curious for you what was it that now made it the time
1: sure um I think part of it was finding um uh, we're very slow to hire um quite frankly we care very much about culture we want Really special people. We want to enjoy the people we work with, and we want people who are going to push us to 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 be better and more innovative in all regards. So finding some very special marketing thought leaders uh, that were um, appropriate in the B two B world and our in the sectors we go after, who fell in love with you know with the problem that we we're looking to solve, just takes time. And and to be to be fair, we did start this marketing journey about a year and a half ago. So. It's not that we just started today, but we went a solid four years, four and a half years before making that investment. Two is it's just the business is working, yeah, Yeah, the product's working, right? And and so I think for yeah, (laughs) I I think for for the early years it it worked, but we we always felt like there was so much more in our product vision that we wanted to get built before moving too quickly, onboarding too many customers. Now we're at a point where the, the technology is fully elastic. The platform is fully elastic. We could handle, you know, today a thousand advertisers could sign up and we wouldn't skip a beat. So, you know, I think the confidence in your product, um, the willingness to put yourself out there, like that, that, that too many companies market first, sell first, and then build later. And, and there have been a couple in our space that we've seen and, and they've, they've stumbled and they've, raised lots of capital, and they burnt lots of capital, and and um and didn't yeah you know, didn't end up putting a great product forth because they raised a bunch of money, to tell their story, and and try and onboard as many clients as possible, and didn't have a very good product. We we've just taken the opposite approach, which is build you know an absolutely yeah you know, game changing yeah you know, technology and product, and then and then invest in in sales and marketing.
0: Did you have you have investors right VC backed? we do um, we have um some great investors but um
1: very very lightly capitalized we have taken a, a different path than most of the companies that i've been involved with um which is you know we we did um a seed round of capital uh when we were first getting started um or, or about six months in or so in 2017 and that that was the only capital in. we've we've run break even or better every
0: year since all right i want to dive into that because that's I, I, so what i thought was the case uh was that always the intention uh, thoughts on doing that versus more growth? Cause uh, there's so many entrepreneurs I've talked to like, on like a week to week basis. It's like, they have all these options out in front of them. Like which, what do they do? And they have this pressure from like VCs to obviously raise, but like for you take me through that decision. And I'm curious more about, about that.
1: Sure. I, I would say our decision wasn't, dif- wasn't to, we did, we never made a conscious decision to not raise money. Sure, We just never made a conscious decision to raise money. We, oftentimes quarterly, like reevaluate where we are as a business from a trajectory perspective, where the risk lies, where the opportunity lies. And there have been many times throughout our journey that we said, Hey, I think we should go out and raise money. And, and then we, we took a step back and did a more, you know, in-depth analysis. And we thought about the upside compared to the potential, you know, um, challenges and and risks. And, And there is, there are real risks in, in raising money. And, and, uh, and while that may be antithesis to the general perspective in in the world of venture backed companies, look, there's. I'm, I'm reading a book right now. Um, it's going through um, a number of kind of like microfinance topics, and and one of those topics talks about the long tail, and and what they mean by by the long tail is everybody points to these successes, right? Points to the Elon Musk's of the world, the Jeff Bezos of the world. When they look at venture, they look at all these wins, all the logos hanging on the the wall and signages of these, like these marquee venture firms. What they don't talk about is that one to 5% of investments out of any fund returns the entire fund. 10% or so, maybe 15% of, of a typical fund um, you know, are profitable investments and 70% of those investments go to zero. Nobody talks about how when you look at at publicly traded companies over, uh, you know, the last 30 years, 70% of those companies that were publicly traded, profitable, like big market cap companies go to zero. But yet the market, you know, o- over the long h- haul always goes up, right? As a whole, yeah. So if you're a business... And you're like, Hey, we're going to go out and raise venture. Well, just by definition and, and based on historical data, there's a seven in 10 chance that you don't make it. That's crazy. Right? It's wild. It is truly wild. Yes. (laughs) That's a fact, right? Like, yeah, like that data is out there. So, you know, one thing that I know for certain is if you optimize a business with the same principles, you do your personal finance, which is you always want to stay in the game whatever you do just don't go out of business. Yeah. And and if you if you're able to successfully do that, you always have the opportunity to grow and build something of value and scale and yeah, build a, a profitable company. And that's not the venture model. The venture model is you raise money for the sake of spending that money, burning. They're, they use the term burn. Like literally lighting money on fire for for the goal of hopefully creating some disproportionate return at some point And if you make it yeah. like totally different perspectives on running businesses, one is like the goal is to not go out of business so that you're always alive to be able to fulfill your vision. The other is raise as much money as, as possible to burn as quickly as possible to get as big as possible or go bust. We're seven out of 10 yeah, you know, companies in that position do go bust. Yeah. So we, most businesses do require capital. Uh, we found ourselves you know pretty early on in a position where the financial model allowed us to to take profits and reinvest in the growth of the business more innovation more product more data more data science et cetera, bigger teams yeah. and and as we start, started seeing that that pattern you know emerge that you know we started pulling back more and more from this let's raise more capital because we knew that if we get in, in into a partnership with growth you know, venture capital, the expectation is that we're raising that that money to burn to get to an exponentially higher level where we have a seven and ten chance of a, of not being in business <laughs> versus you know if we continue to operate the way we do, which is always make at least one dollar more than we spend, we'll we'll be in a great position forever.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I I love that you bring that up because I think more founders need you think about that. And I like to highlight it whenever I can. Cause I remember having, um having Rand Fishkin on from, from SparkToro and he was at Moz before that. And he mentioned around, he had an opportunity to sell Moz back in the day for like tens of millions of dollars or something like that, where he had a very meaningful a- exit for himself even. Uh, But the pressure was to raise money and do more of that. They did that, ends up not having the same opportunity <laughs> to have the same exit, which would have been very meaningful for the founder, not the same for investor, but for the founder, which person starting this company uh, was huge. And then he, Decided with Spark Turtle to totally take a different approach to that point, like not have to raise in the crazy rounds. Like it is a very specific path you're going on with that, and I just love to highlight those things whenever I can for so founders just know the options they have in front of them.
1: Sure, look, I have a friend who sold a company for a billion dollars, and his growth stage venture investors thought he he gave up and and that was a miss.
0: I mean, (laughs) it's crazy, right? It's crazy. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, yeah, you know, we're an early stage investor at Vitalize. So obviously we see the returns on that and like how later stage, obviously you still need more returns. So like it's different at that point and you're hoping for even bigger, but it's so crazy to think about that. And I don't think a lot of founders I've talked to, I mean, some get it, some don't, but like to understand the numbers you truly need to get to, to make your investors whole in terms of what they need for like your upside returns is kind of it's just wild. It's just something to think about as you're building your company. So I like to hire people who have done a little bit different path as well. But um, I know we're almost that time. Uh, I want to be able to make sure we end at plenty of time. I'm curious with with Posty then what you've done already in the last six years. Like what do you think about in terms of what's next? Because uh, you already have you've talking about one tenth of a day optimizations now. Like what's <laughs> what's 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 next for you in Posty? Look, it's
1: it's <laughs> it's it's always the same. It's yeah, first and foremost, it's continue to build a culture that people. Yeah, you know, love to work at like it. Yeah. it, it, it that's probably uh, yeah the area I spend as much time thinking about. And I think if you would ask the the, the vast majority of of Posty employees, you know, what their experience is, I think they'd they'd say, I, I really hope that they'd say they're empowered, they're challenged, their opinion matters, they can contribute, um, they're adding value. So so I think about that daily. Jonathan, my co-founder, thinks about that daily. You know, then then it's it's product. It's it, it's always how do we get better? How do we you know how do we continuously put tools in the hands of marketers that make their life easier, that help them get returns, that help them grow their business. Um, you know and then it's it's you know our own demand gen. It, it's you know knowing that we have something special um, that provides a ton of value. How do we get more brands to recognize that, to understand it, um, to engage with the channel, to engage with us as a as a you know, technology provider. Yeah, you know, then there's certainly a little bit less time in every day these days to spend just pure innovation, um, yeah. pure innovation. But we do spend a little bit of time constantly thinking about you know leveraging our technology, our knowledge, our expertise to to add more value in the ecosystem. And and yeah, you know, we can't help it. We're entrepreneurs, so we're always thinking about <laughs> yeah, of course, bigger and yeah, you know, brighter and adding more value and and working on cool cool product.
0: Dave, where can people go to learn more about Postie and also connect with you if they'd like to?
1: Sure. So we work hard to publish great content, uh, informative content, insights on our website, postie.com, P-O-S-T-I-E.com. The platform, my platform of choices is, is LinkedIn, LinkedIn Messenger's a uh, really great dynamic way to, to chat. And then I get to kind of see who you are and what your background is why you might be interested in talking to me. Um, and so I, I believe my handle is David L. Fink, but certainly if you if you search Dave Fink and post on yeah, LinkedIn, you'll find me.
0: Perfect. Dave, thank you so much for your time. Dave. We appreciate it. For sure. Great conversation. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. If you want to follow along on the socials for all things Just Go Grind and with me as well, you can find Just Go Grind on Instagram and Twitter at Just Go Grind. You can find me on Twitter at JustinGordon212. Find me on Instagram, JustinGordon8. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.